from the only Seahawks podcast that is also going to retire to smoked meats. It's the Seahawks Nest podcast. Yes. Yeah, did you guys. If you guys going to do it? I was. You guys hear about this? Vince Yart Wilfork. He makes a vi- really epic video. He says, "I'm taking my talents to smoked meats, y'all." Y'all. He did it with y'all. You know, he one up uh, what was it? LeBron uh, James. Brandon Allen, who uh, rode off into the sunset. This is better. Vince Wolfork, true American. Yeah. yeah. What a who was a who rode off on the horse? It was Allen, the uh, the, the defensive, defensive end. Uh, the, wait, is it the horse. The horse's Jared name Allen. is Friday. Wait. <laughs> but this uh, this he parlayed this into a. I should know this. My uncle's a house painter. Kingsford charcoal ad is what it was. Yeah, it's Vince for, is already he's already getting paid in his retirement. Good Vince for you. Last I pay Vince tailgate. for just to hang out at my restaurant. This guy just seems awesome. Oh, you better have a lot of food. Well, you know what, guys? We had a hot week in Seahawks news, so let's get right to it. Boom. Uh, let's go ahead and hit the uh, first. Let's talk about this. There's a lot of best shape of our lives articles we're gonna not talk about any of those those are all stupid and you should ignore them uh eddie weight lacy makes weight requirements jimmy graham's lost 20 pounds russell wilson's got a new diet these are all of the same category which is that just don't ignore them if they matter you will see it in the preseason they, ne- at the end. they, they never they never amount to anything or they amount to if they do good it better because of it that's great but a lot of guys come in great shape and they're terrible so let's talk about positional battles because this is where we can really make hey uh tyler lockett's back Paul Richardson, so good. Such Paul, good news. And Paul Richardson seems to have taken the outside receiver slot from Jermaine Curse. Even better news. Oh. So those are two stories that broke this week. My question to you guys is, we have a lot of wide receivers on the roster. At this point, which wide receivers do you think are going to make the roster? I would guess we'll keep five. Um, there is a slim possibility we'd keep six, and you'd really have to convince me. But, uh, Kevin, I'll start with you. What what wide receivers do you think are, are going to make the Seahawks team this year? All right, let's start with what we can agree are the consensus locks. Okay, Baldwin. And that's Richardson, Baldwin, and Lockett. Like, Amar those Darbo. Are the three that are is in. A, Darbo's a lock, dude. I think... You don't spend a third-round draft pick on a guy and let him go during the preseason. Except for that one time when we did that. It's um, very rare. Touché. It's very rare. But uh, the other two, I think Darbo's in for four, and it's a battle between Lawler, McAvoy, and Curse for that last spot. And I think right now you got to give the lead to McAvoy. He does something the other players don't, and he also has more special teams flexibility. Yeah, I was going to say that McAvoy's got to have a lead for just being a flexible player and being on special teams. My heart wants McAvoy to win. My head says that Curse is going to win this job out just because of longevity. Curse has been around for a long time. He knows the team back to front. I think that they're really comfortable with him, although they shouldn't be because his catch rate sucks. In fact, there was like Russell Wilson had this like legendary inter-squad scrimmage, scrimmage practice, right? And there, there was only two incompletions in the whole thing, and one of them was a Curse drop. Yep. I mean, that just doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all. Curse, curse drops a lot of passes. Like That's just that's his kind of his MO now, and I don't know if it's just a case of like, we got the best out of Curse we're ever going to get, and like we should be happy because he's had some clutch catches. I love Jermaine Curse. He's had some of the most important catches in Seahawks history. For UDFA, he's put together a solid career. When he's twenty-seven years Not old, it could be Doug Baldwin. Yeah, he's twenty-seven years old. Like he's right at the. This should be like the year that it's kind of. We got to make a decision, right? Are we going to keep him or are we going to let him go? Because if we're not letting him go this year, we're definitely letting him go next year. Well, right. if we let him go, we're doing it for space. We're doing it to keep McAvoy, but it does not. It doesn't matter any money towards the cap. So. I feel like that's incentive for the Hawks to keep him around. For that reason, I could see us keeping six because McAvoy has special talent in special teams. Yeah, the only way you can convince me we keep six is if it's McAvoy and Curse, and it's just because the team really wants the the, the old hand, you know, Curse Agreed. to be around. I see that. Which I mean, I guess with Richardson's injury history, that's not the worst choice, but it just doesn't seem that necessary. Yeah, I, I feel bad about Lawler. I think Lawler is good enough to play in the NFL and just kind of is just right on the bubble for us. And he probably there's a chance he sign when we cut him, he signs with another team and catches on. Uh, if Lawler can play special teams and return kicks and punts, that guy has real long term NFL potential. Well, let That's me a fact. let me ask you real quick: If we cut Jermaine Curse, where does he go? To a division rival? Anywhere? Nowhere. Some team's going to give him a shot. There's just there's a history of like he's been production. a productive NFL player, so he'll get he'll get somebody will sign him to the veteran minimum. I don't know who though is the problem, and he ma- that, that's one thing about us is he makes a lot of money to play the for Saints? this team. I don't know, uh, I mean, but I mean he's got they signed over, Ted Ginn. He can't catch either. He's gotten over 500 <laughs> yards like a couple years in a row, and he's yeah he's 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 solid NFL player. So I like I like a uh, Jermaine Curse. I I mean I. I 
okay, it makes people, one of us. This happens all the time. I, I like him as a person. I like I like the person. I like the player. He's been an important Seahawk. I don't know if he fits on this roster anymore. Is the problem? And like, and some point you got to be a little cold blooded about this stuff. And our front office is cold blooded about this stuff. Yeah, we're Belichick with a smile. That's that's how that's how you get good. Is you you do this. All right, the next positional battle going on. There is a hard fought left corner battle going on between Jeremy Lane who is a man on a mission. He's on fire right now. And the biggest physical freak that we've seen in this team, Shaquille Griffin. He's so fast and so big, according to Pete Carroll. Shaquille Griffin's a 6-2-4-4 guy. Kevin. That's a sick matchup. Who starts week one at left cornerback between those two guys? I think because of this, they're both making the team, correct? Oh, there's no way they don't both make the team. And I think Thorpe's also going to push for some playtime. But... um... Week one, I could see the job going to Lane. So, so by wait. week three, I could see Griffin. I want to roll this back a little bit. You think Thorpe is like a deadlock to make the roster at this point? Uh, I think of all the other corners, he's the one most likely to make it. Yes. Have you seen a picture of Mike Tyson? Like this guy. This guy looks like he jumped out of a men's fitness magazine. Like, yes, I've seen a picture of Mike Tyson. No, not that Mike Tyson. This guy is is buff though. Uh, that's because like, he played. He played linebacker, dude. I mean, he's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, I think he's but. I want to watch this dude get physical in a preseason game. I'm, like, very excited about Mike Tyson. You're, like, five days, Nathan. I know. I'm, like, so pumped to see him play in a real game. I'm really interested in seeing it, but I think he's going to be this year's Powell. And and all the safeties we have left are going to make it, right? Thompson, Hill, McDougal, Thomas, Chancellor, they're all on the roster. Oh, yeah. We have five safeties, and all of them should get a roster spot. They're all people who can contribute at special teams, people that can play on the inside at, like, a slot back position. You think they like, all make it? Versatility. Yeah. Okay. Those five? I mean, Tedrick Thompson's the only one I could potentially see being cut, but A, he's a fourth-round pick, and B, he offers an interesting skill set. Out of all of the safeties, he's the one I trust at corner the most. I want to see his game because I don't really know if he'll stick around. So last year we had five corners on our roster. Uh, So we have Sherman, Lane, Griffin. Shed's going to start the season on the pup list, which means we can keep an extra guy. So, Kevin, your prediction would be uh, Thorpe and then Tyson, Elliott, Desir. Like, who do you like for that that last spot? I think that's going to be a to-the-last-day battle. I think if they think they can get Tyson onto the practice squad, they will. Um, so it will probably be between Elliot and Desir. I don't know. Pe- those pictures are out there. I don't think. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be able to sneak him on a practice squad. He just looks too big. Uh, <laughs> as yeah. for, hey, as for Lane versus Griffin, I don't think they're going to start a rookie on the left side. You just don't There's, think week one they'll be? They'll no, be... and I, Kevin said maybe around week three. I just looking how the refs call Seahawks games. I mean, let's just be honest here; they do call us tighter on defense. And Griffin's handsy in the secondary. Exactly, he's. I've I've watched some tape, believe it or not. Also, he's a rookie, and it's it's going to take an adjustment period. I think for the betterment of the team, he starts in the nickel. Well, the only thing I can see with that is I think he's going to be a better outside corner than nickel corner. Yeah, we've talked about so that. So it's possible they start him on the outside if they think that's a better tandem with Lane on the inside. And they've but rotated Lane before. Is not a great nickel corner. Like, that's the thing. I think both Griffin and Lane are much better on the outside than Nickel. Remember when Lane, when it's like, wow, he's going to move to the nickel and he's going to be great. And then he proved last year that he is not so great. Yeah, he had a really rough year last year. I don't he know what it was. He has trouble reading in a crowd. When you look, when things went over the middle, okay. it was like he just got swamped a little bit. And he I said I didn't know what out. it was, but that makes uh, sense. Another thing, too, is like they're going to... They're gonna find ways to get Brad McDougald on the field. They're gonna they're gonna find ways to get him on the field. They're paying him too much, and he's too good. He's too good at football. So like, if they're sneaking him on the field as a nickel corner, that's gonna happen a lot. Like they're gonna sneak him onto the field because he's so good. Or put him in at safety There's, and then drop uh, Cam into like linebacker, super box. linebacker. Yeah, Dayon Buchanan territory. Yeah, that's that. That will not surprise me either. Yeah, if I Ur- want to see that. Earl and is ready. Earl and McDougald <laughs> as like kind of back backwards. Uh, say the back safeties and uh, Cam coming up to the line. So. The thing about McDougald is, is that he's an expert at covering tight ends, which is, has has been a weak point That's of Seahawks football for quite some time. So you're going to see him, you know, right in there. All right, the last positional battle that's really heating up is the running back battle. Yeah. So Rawls, Lacey, and Procise are in. Everyone is pretty confident those three guys are making the roster. It, with the signing of Marcel Reese, it seems like we're going to have four more spots for running backs. Okay, I'm going to just say Mike Davis and Trey Madden, thanks for coming. You look good, but you're probably not going to make it. This is a three-way battle between Alex, Car- Alex Collins, Chris Carson, and J.D. McKissick. All of these guys have pros and cons. McKissick can return punts. Chris Carson is a, a physical freak. Uh, Alex Collins is just like an overall solid running back prospect. Like He could be a starting running back maybe someday. Which of these three guys 
do you like the best to be the last guy on the roster, and uh, why do you like that? Let's start with Eric. Eric, uh, right. between and now, by the way, the way that the other let me just throw this in there. The interview sound bites about Chris Carson are like nutty. Like the peep, the other players on the team love this dude. I really like Carson. He is. He looked good in those those practice footages, right? He looks like he should be a starter in the NFL. Like he's been starting for two years. Here's the thing. <laughs> he's physically finished. He looks physically finished. Yeah, yeah. but you know, he kinda I don't I don't know how he runs yet in the Seahawks uniform. We'll see that on Sunday. But uh Turban kinda looked that way a little bit. Kristen Michael kinda looked like that, although a little a little smaller. Um having said that, Alex Collins. Alex Collins, he knows that he's on the bubble. You know, he knows that this is it for him. And supposedly he's another one of those. He's come in looking great, blah, blah, blah. I think it comes down to these two guys. And honestly, I cannot make the decision until at least one preseason. I mean, game. these guys are two guys you want to watch during the preseason. Yeah, they those, are. They are at battle. Like those are the guys. two guys that I want to watch over everything else. Can I bring something up real quick? That these guys um, are our fourth string running backs. So, uh, <laughs> no, because as we saw last year, that's important. I. Uh, the thing I want to bring up real quick, so J.D. McKissick, uh, this is just one of those great Twitter moments. A reporter tweeted out like uh, about Russell Wilson's great uh, practice that he was having, 16 for 18, and put in there, he's even making Jermaine Curse and J.D. McKissick look good. And J.D. McKissick direct responded to that with, come on, man, really? Bruh, come on. <laughs> Bruh, come on. And it was just so good, I mean, which J- makes me really want J.D. McKissick to get I there. Li- and he's a great story. I like J.D. McKissick. I actually think he's pretty good, and he really could help us take some of the pressure off of Tyler Lockett in terms of returning punts and kicks. Yeah, but Collins is also back there trying out for special teams. The thing with Carson that's interesting to me, his skill set is extremely similar to Kristen Michael. So I want to see when he gets into games... Can he when he has to run better? in a crowd, can he keep his feet? Because he used to run between those wide splits at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, can he keep his feet? Because that's what killed Kristen Michael. And can he hold on to the ball? Yeah, what, what if Chris- he can do those two things, I could do that. What killed Kristen Michael is he knew where the play was supposed to go, and he just ran there no matter what. He, yep. na- he had he, he had no vision. vision. He was like the reverse Sean Alexander, where Sean Alexander, he had good physical tools, don't get me wrong, but he didn't have the best physical tools. But he had vision. Like what? Peak Sean Alexander would find gaps, and the per- he'd run the perfect route, and he was so patient. He would wait and wait and wait, and you'd be like, this is going to be a two-yard loss. And all of a sudden, oh, there's the hole, and he's up well, the People field got mad yards. at him because he wouldn't take the first opening. Yeah, and he's just, he, he was or a Or Sean pit. Lynch. Sean Lynch was really good at, oh, cutback lane. Yeah, here we yeah, go. go on. Yeah, Sean Lynch hit the hole hard, and he would find the hole, too. That was what was great about it. He would find where he was where And it was sometimes if up. the defender was off balance, he'd just make his own hole. So, yeah, you're right, Kevin. It, Car- how Carson looks in the actual preseason games is going to matter. And people like to bag on the, like, oh, the second half of a preseason game is so boring. I mean, these guys are playing as hard as they can to get jobs. Yep. Like, I don't... These guys want to put bread on the table. Like, they, NFL minimum is a very high-paying job. And these guys are competing directly for it. So if you think that these guys are not playing their best, you're nuts. Well, and you'll see guys who just can't cut it. I mean, look at, I don't know if you can remember, Terrell Owens tried out for the Seahawks. That was, I think, one of his last tryouts. And there was a huge bomb wide open into the end zone, dropped the ball. He was cut the next week. And that's just, that's a veteran, but that's a guy who really wanted to stay in the NFL. And it's kind of sad to see guys, you know, their dreams crumbling. But ultimately, it's... It's cool to see other guys step up. Having said everything we, we said about Carson, this guy could literally just run into the line and fall down, and my hopes for him would be dashed. Oh, yeah. Uh, remember, but along with the same thing, um, what was his name? Uh, Winfield? The corner out of... Yep, Antoine uh, Winfield. Antoine Winfield. He's, he was supposed to be the starter. Came in. He was going to be the next guy in the Legion of Boom. Cut. Preseason is done mercilessly. Oh man, I don't remember that. The team has no, has no, no doubt that like they won't, they don't care. They like Jari Evans is a good example. This last year, like Jari Evans did not do good in our training camp, did not look good in our system, and we cut him. And he actually had a pretty good season last year for New Orleans. I worry about Ode Abushi for that reason. But like he's Mike Brown, and Ode Abushi seems like he is definitely on the outside looking in right now. Like he is not getting a lot of burn with the first team. The fact that we're on the Fant Resurrection Tour is definitely not helping him. Fant is that people are into Fant like this. You He's can the only penciled read. in starter, and that's starting to get some ink on it. Like, watch I, that closely in the preseason. I, I said it months ago. They're trying to prepare us for Fant to start. Get ready, and I mean, here, here we go. We're there now. Uh, for, 
Other big stories this week. Frank Clark and Jermaine Fetty got in a fight. I'm just going to say this. These guys are notorious hotheads, and it's not super surprising that they – people get passionate in these drills. They want to win the drill. You know, you know, you know they were both breaking – I'm sorry. Fetty was breaking up a fight. And apparently there were old words between them because Clark came in and just punched a Fetty. The fight was not even between them at the beginning. Well, that's the the other thing is these are two players notorious for getting under other players' skin. Yep. yep. Not surprising. <laughs> uh, Can I get my favorite news? There was one. There was one more. Uh, John Clayton, the Seahawks radio sideline reporter. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh. That's just neat. Natural. There was one. There was one more really good one that now I can't remember. Oh no, that, that one more interesting one. Malik McDowell is probably going to miss the whole season, that uh, or close to it. Crazy. We we made jokes about this before we started, but with Jason Pierre-Paul's hand, is that what happened to Malik McDowell's head? Basically. What went? What happened? So the best we I'm hearing know. is that uh, the laceration is in such placement where um, taking hits on the helmet, there's a chance that he'd reopen it oh like constantly. Gosh. I don't know if this is true. This is just what's making the rounds. But best we can tell, he's asked for privacy, and so and they're there. And it's very Seahawks club culture thing to just give him that privacy. That's yep. what that's what we do. So and that's uh, why we get to sign free agents. So I'm okay with it. Yep. So that's it. That's it for uh, Seahawks news this week. If there's a story you really missed that you really want us to talk about, we already kind of talked about Ken Easley Hall of Fame, so I don't think we need to go any deeper on it. But that's like Eric's favorite Seahawks, so I'm sure you were happy to see that. Get, Man, get I was. I watched it. I was very, very happy, and I looked everywhere for uh, <clears throat> the the Hall of Fame jersey. You know, like, hey, they're going to reissue his jersey. Nope, not yet. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it'll be out there, it'll but you're just gonna have to wait. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and dig into our uh, Better Know Your Enemy series, uh, where we're covering all the divisions in the NFL. We are down to our final three divisions, and this week we cover the NFC South. Uh, the NFC South. We'll start off with the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons went 11 and five last year and blew a huge lead in the Super Bowl. <laughs> They're over and under <laughs> yeah, this year. They is, the over under this year is set at nine and a half. The over a slight favorite at minus 125. They brought in Andre Roberts and Dontari Poe. They lost Patrick Demarco, Dwight Freeney, Jacob Tanny, Tammy, Paul Warlow, and Aldrich Robinson. Eric, how do you feel about these Falcons? Man, I don't want to talk about the Falcons. I don't. I don't want to give this team any respect. For years, I did not really respect Matt Ryan, mainly because I played him in fantasy, and he was always like, this guy's really good. Oh, he's terrible all of a sudden. Last year, he (laughs) seemed to put it all together on the field, and I feel like that's going to continue. I think Matt Ryan has found his place in the NFL world, and this team didn't really lose much. Paul Warlow, I think, is, and maybe Jacob Tammy are are their biggest losses. Uh, Warlow's a better linebacker than you think, and um, they, they and like you say that, and they went ahead and replaced him. Like they drafted yes. Duke Riley to, oh, yeah, to yeah. take that spot. Like they they were like, we need to replace this guy because you're right. Warlow is like one of those sneaky. Like he's a really solid player. Yeah, yeah he's he, a role player. He's, like he's a glue guy. He's not great, but he's like a really he's a guy kind of guy you need in a deep. A he's a guy who will get the guy who he needs to tackle. The running back runs at him, he'll get him. Uh, Jacob Tammy's a solid tight end. I don't really know what they did to address that. They already have. Um, the memory of Tony Gonzalez. Uh, they have Austin end? Hooper, who yeah, they, they picked up uh, last year, and that's I, I, I would argue would be there, ready to step up. There are articles that are coming out now where Matt Ryan saying Austin Hooper is light years ahead of where he was last year, so they're starting the uh, the Austin Hooper hype train up in Atlanta. I I'll, think that's legit for a Jacob. And Tannier I'll just role. say their tight end position isn't really like I don't think it's going to make or break them. We'll see. Well, I mean, they still got Sanu, Gabriel Taylor, and Julio Jones, so they're going to be stacked and terms of receiving threats they still have alex mack and jake matthews like their offensive line is going to be good uh with their schedule this year this team is going to be very good alex mack is just is, is a real good football player it's, it's weird it's that one one good offensive lineman thing like they were not a good offensive line they bring in alex mack and all of a sudden now their offensive line really just kind of gels around this one amazing offensive lineman yeah, yeah it's not fair to have an offensive lineman that can turn metallic and go into a puddly goo and then like get under doorways and oh wait that's, that's different that's alex a different mack. alex mack yeah <laughs> Sorry, you said, you said gel, didn't, and I just wow. got thrown off. Didn't Alex Mack last year too like play with like super bad injuries? At, well, like, at the, the Super Bowl, the remember season? he had like a tear in his knee, and then he had a really good Super Bowl. He's not the reason why they lost that forty point lead. No. Uh, all right, Kevin, how do you feel about the Falcons? 
you know, I think they're a very talented team. They have two great running backs. They picked up Brian Hill, who's more of like a downhill physical runner, which is not really what they had. So that's interesting for like, you know, trying to run out a lead in the second half of a game. I'm not sure why they might want to do that, but you know, that's a thing that may, may or may not have struggled with in a specific game last year. Uh, otherwise, you're right. I mean, they kept a solid offensive line. Uh, Here, can I can I go into the defense really quick? Because I, I have I, that's, I would like to talk about okay. the defense next. Actually, and I think we're gonna say the same thing. I have a big take on this. Vic Beasley's like a one trick pony. Were you gonna say the same thing? I was gonna say Vic Beasley is he, a disappearing, reappearing pass rusher. Yeah, he's just he just like he's like really good at one thing, and that's like speed moves, and that's it. So they were really smart to target a defensive end in the first round. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Takaris McKinley is a great pick for them as far as giving them a second pass rusher. Um, So they have uh, Grady Jarrett and Dantari Poe in the middle, who are two big, like, space fillers. Uh, Courtney Upshaw is, you know, he's coming out of Baltimore. If you play in Baltimore, you have to know how to just play your role. Fill gaps. And so that gives a chance for Beasley to be, like, an athletic pass rusher. And between him and McKinley, they might have a sustainable pass rush this year, which they did not have. That'd be a big help for them. Yeah, I I really like the, the – I think that – I would be super down on this defense if they didn't get Tack McKinley. Like, I think that that was a really important move in, like, rounding out their offseason is to get, like, a guy who has a chance to be an elite pass rusher. If they were going to rely on Vic Beasley, they were going to be in trouble because there's certain teams that can just neutralize Vic Beasley with one guy. Yep, because he's he's kind of a one trick pony, and the, it's a really good trick. That's why he got so many sacks last year. But it's like he's not a complete pass rusher. It's not like what we talked about with Cliff Averill, where you're going. He does not go more than one game without getting a sack. Yeah, like Vic Beasley is not that. He'll guy. get four sacks in one game and zero for two more games. Like he just that's just the way he is. McKinley will round out their pass rush, make it more consistent, which I think will make this team. Um, this team could have taken a big step back this year, and I think that will. That will kind of mellow that out a little bit. So, uh, Eric, what do you got your record for the 2017 Steve Sarkeesian-led Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> I have them at 12-4, and four, one game better than last year. A surprising third place in the NFC. And, yeah, there's the top end of the NFC is really good, so I understand yeah, that. I feel there's, like, there's three or four real good teams. I feel like the losses for this team also, they're going to have some trouble in their division. So I think that the biggest loss that they had was Kyle Shanahan. He knew what buttons to push for that offense. But that being said, Dan Quinn, after he took over the defensive play calling, that dude knows what buttons to push for that defense. And that's going to be a big thing to have all year long. I have them at 12-4. and I think that they match up well against their schedule. I think they're a really talented team. They're the number two seed in my playoffs. I agree with with Kevin in that, that I think that Dan Quinn, when he took over this defense, the defense got a lot better last year. And they really kind of pushed them into being the, the team that made the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I don't like them as, quite as much as you guys. I have them at 10 and 6. Uh, I think that they're, they're first, they have to play a first-play schedule. It's a tough schedule. And they and they also have, a, I think, a sneaky, like, slightly above-average division, which is uh, is going to kind of – it's going to make it harder for them to just go off, you know. Um, I don't like playing at Patriots, at Seahawks. Like, that's two games that are going to be real tough to win. Yeah. Uh, the – uh, let's go ahead and head on over to Carolina, where the Panthers last year went six and ten, coming off their Super Bowl loss. They're over and under a set at eight and a half, with over minus one sixty five, a healthy favorite. Bringing in Mike Adams, Julius Peppers, Captain Munderland, and Russell Shepard, losing Trey Boston and Ted Ginn. Can't start with Kevin this time. Kevin, how do you feel about the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, you know, I think this is another team where the biggest loss might be a coordinator. Losing Sean McDermott as a defensive coordinator could end up being a big thing. This is another guy who knows how to run a defense. And it's hard to tell, like right off the bat. Like you're not going to be able to tell week until week one. You know when they're when they're coming up. That's a fact. But that being said, they added a couple of really interesting playmakers, and I'll go ahead and leave Christian McCaffrey for you to talk about because I know how much you love him. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Curtis Samuel, the forgotten running back. He's being listed as a wide receiver right now. Slot wide receiver, right? He's going to play like all slot, basically. Yeah, and this is just an athletic playmaker type player. Um, He has good hands. He has really good size. He's a run-after-catch guy. This is a type of player that Carolina has shown they can take a unique talent and showcase them well. And having guys like Samuel and McCaffrey to supplement what's a core of big wide receivers, including their best wide receiver, which is their tight end, Greg Olson. Um, So having a couple of these kind of run-after-catch smaller guys 
to go with that. I think it's a good complementary move. Their offense should be pretty dynamic if their offensive line can hold out. But They're, when your left tackle is Matt Khalil, that's always a question. Yeah, there's the, the Matt Khalil, if he can beat Matt Khalil from three years ago, that's an awesome signing. If he's Matt Khalil from last year, that's real bad. Maybe so him and Ryan Khalil like the Wonder Twins. Now, I was going to say, maybe his brother can get him in the weight room or something. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing, Kevin, and this, I, I'm going to dig deeper on what you said, is that Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, they bring in these guys who are flexible and they're unique and they can line up on all different parts of the field. And I get the feeling that you might see a lot of times they come out and they have Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel in the backfield and then all of a sudden one guy's in motion over here and one guy's in motion over here and all of a sudden like now they're empty backfield and everyone's all spread out because you have to respect both of those guys' ability to to catch. Like they're both really good pass catchers. Yep. And now – Oh, the field middle of the field's wide open, and oh, there goes Cam Newton for 15 more yards. Like this offense has a lot of potential to really be this like new wave. Like we are going to confuse the defense by putting guys who can line up all over the field into the backfield and then move them around the field or move them around out of the huddle. Here comes Christian McCaffrey out of the huddle, and oh, he's lined up on the outside one on one against a linebacker. Like oh, no, it's over the top by Cam Newton, and you know he's inaccurate, but he'll probably make that throw more than often than he doesn't. So, so. He's accurate to the receiver, just not to where on the receiver he throws right. it. So I, I really, I really, really like the Carolina Panthers. What they've d- done to build out this offense, they didn't really lose a ton of useful players, and the ones they did, they replaced with kind of like for like replacements. Like Mike Adams is also a really good safety, like Trey Boston. So he's older. This in two years, they'll probably regret that this happened. But like this year, it'll probably be fine. Uh, Munnerlin instantly give, adds some much-needed cornerback depth that they haven't really had. Also a veteran presence. Yeah. A guy who's uh, been on the team before. And let's be honest, there's talent all over this defense. Shaq Thompson, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Starlo Tulele, Charles Johnson. These guys are all still really good at football. Mario Addison's one of the best situational pass rushers. Uh, if you think about Chris Clemens, Mario Addison is like a Chris Clemens. When he goes on there, you know all he's going to do is pin his ears back and run at the quarterback, but he does it as efficiently as anyone in the NFL. I just I really think that this team is poised to bounce back. Like there's always a team that has like a down year and then bounces right back. And for me, that's how I feel about Carolina. Eric, agree or disagree? I see that point exactly, Nathan. This team will bounce back. My question for you, how much faith do you have in their receiving core? You talked about it a little bit. We both we I'm sorry, we all like Christian McCaffrey. We all like what he can do. But the receiving core for the Carolina Panthers has been notoriously not so great. Yeah. In the in the mind of I'm gonna try to take you inside the mind of the Carolina GM, which is hard because he doesn't exist. I was gonna say the, not into Riverboat Ron's head. Uh but I think what their plan here is is that they they're gonna use Christian McCaffrey as a wide receiver on a lot of first and second downs, and they're gonna use him as a running back on third downs. And they still have Jonathan Stewart, who is not chopped liver when he's not injured. He's actually pretty good. He's a 1,000-yard rusher. He'll get you over four yards per carry. So I think McCaffrey – you're going to see McCaffrey getting out there on first and second down and just playing wide receiver. And that's what they needed. They needed a wide receiver who's just different. Because right now they have all these wide receivers who are just big, giant guys who can, like, box out and try to get the ball with catch radi- big catch radiuses. And Ted Ginn. And one of them's real good, Kelvin Benjamin. And the other one is, is real not so good, Devin Funches. But the <laughs> the, the point is that they, they have the, they're both the same player. They're like – Funches is like a worse Benjamin. Like, it's like we talk about – we're going to talk about in a minute how Tampa Bay uh, diversifying with Deshaun Jackson is going to really open up Mike Evans – the same thing is definitely what you're looking at here. We're having Curtis Samuel and having um, Christian McCaffrey is really going to open things up for the uh, like they're going to. It's a symbiotic relationship. Right. They're going to create opportunities for each other because you can't. You have to respect both, but you can't uniquely pay attention to Calvin. Both. Calvin Benjamin is a, is a beast when he gets when he's going. Healthy, oh, he's man. great. He's just like he is. He's so good at like boxing out and like just getting the ball from all kinds of crazy positions. Are you worried about his NFL body? I mean, it's true. He's he's really big, but as much as any big receiver, you got to worry about legs. Marquez yeah, Marquez Colston made it for a long time, and I I just think that the, if Calvin Benjamin can uh, you know get in touch with Marquez and ask him you know how did you do it being a big wide receiver for so long, and he said Drew Brees threw to me, and he can actually throw it accurately to the body, so I don't have to <laughs> hang out and get injured. <laughs> All right, so let's so go. clearly Calvin Benjamin's secret to his career yeah. is playing with Drew Brees. Yeah. All right, so uh, Eric, what do you think for record for Carolina? Uh, I like the Carolina Panthers to bounce back. Uh, great analysis on this team, by the way because I didn't have anything else to add uh, except to rip on their receivers. I'd like them to go 10-6 and six and be the number 5 seed in the NFC. Hey, I also have them 10-6 and six and a, as a 5 seed. Uh, just I have them tied with the Falcons, but the Falcons winning on the, the common opponents tiebreaker. 
the easy schedule will help Carolina. They have a last place schedule. They get to play the 49ers. They get to play the, the like they get to play all the crappy teams. So so the that that is it's like they got two free schedule wins in my opinion. So that that's going to help them a lot. They have the easiest schedule in this division. It's not close. So that's part of why I have them at 10 and 6. I don't think they're a huge step up from Tampa Bay, which is the team I think is the next best team in this division, but I think the schedule helps them just edge out Tampa Bay. Kevin, how do you wear the Panthers? Uh, you know, I have them also taking a step up, and the schedule is part of it, but this is a team that is thin, in my opinion, and they're a couple of injuries away from really suffering. I have them at 9-7 and seven and narrowly missing the playoffs. I think there's pieces there, but they just they lack depth, and I don't have faith that they can keep their key pieces healthy. Yeah, their linebacker depth is horrible. Like it's like they their have linebacker those, depth, their receiver depth. They have is those horrible. first three guys are real good. Though. Their <laughs> defensive back depth is really bad. Like they have depth on the defensive line, and they have depth at running back, and then the rest is paper thin. All right, let's go. Let's go head on down to New Orleans, where the Saints last year went seven and nine. Their over under is at, set at eight. It's a plus one hundred five underdog, which means. Vegas likes the under just a little bit. They brought in Larry Warford, Raphael Bush, Ted Ginn, Chase Daniel, and Tony McDaniel. They lost Jarius Burge, Jari Evans, and Shiloh Peterson. Keo, Tim Lolita, Brandon Cooks. I refuse to bring that up. Does not I matter. Know. I brought it up for you. <laughs> um, okay, so the Saints. Let's, okay, I know. I got to start this one. The Ooh. Saints. They can't keep doing this to me. Sean Payton. You can't have your best signing and most important signing every year be an offensive player. Okay, you can't draft a left tackle in the first round and then tell me he's not going to start and have him second on your depth chart. You can't do this to me. Okay, this is not okay. I'm I, I'm against this. It is heartbreaking to watch them continue to throw away Drew Brees' years by adding to an offense that does not need to be added to in the least. So for me, I am really frustrated with New Orleans. Uh, their defense is is not good. In they. I mean, yeah, Marshawn Lattimore is good. They, that's not one cornerback does not help you build a. De- you can't build a defense around a cornerback. It doesn't work. So it's it's really frustrating for me to see them continue to do this same thing, the same song and dance. Like, hey, we're going to use all our free agent money to bring in Larry Warford. It's like, who gives a shit? That's. <laughs> it's like your offense is already real good. Just do something different. Uh, I don't know, Eric. Please <laughs> save me from the madness. <laughs> I can't believe that you don't like the Adrian Peterson signing enough to mention it. Doesn't not matter. Being, Mark Ingram's going to be the starter. Uh, I feel like I don't. Even, I'm not going to say I feel like we all know that this team is Drew Brees on offense and on defense, on passing and running downs because they don't run the ball much. Uh, Drew Brees has still got it until he doesn't. He hasn't shown signs of you know losing velocity or you know throwing the ball short. He hasn't really been injured, but I don't know. I feel like that could happen at any time. He does like to throw the ball to the other team a lot, probably just because he throws the ball a lot. Don't worry. Chase Daniel will be there to pick up the slack, Eric. Yeah, that's the thing. I really I feel like this team made a lot of lateral moves, but I don't know. New faces, new places. I kind of like the moves. Not enough to have them get in the playoffs, but... I don't know, Nate. I think you summed it up. This team does not care about defense. Sean Payton, I don't really understand what is going on in that guy's head. I don't really know if they don't have the money to go defense. I don't know if they have don't have a vision. Uh, this team's really not going to do much more than it did last year. What were they last year? Last year they were seven. Are they eight and eight or seven and nine? They were seven, seven and nine. Yeah, and they. I think they kind of climbed up to go seven and nine. And uh, yeah, they yeah. finished the season pretty well. I don't. I don't really see much changing in New Orleans. Yeah, they were basically out of the playoffs in like week nine or ten, yeah. and then and they, they won like four of their last five or something. Since Seattle knocked them out of the playoffs, that's how they've been. Yeah. Uh, they picked up Ramchek, who I think is a, was a good pick when they planned on him playing right tackle. Because then uh, before Teron Armstead got injured, that was a really good offensive line. Now Armstead and Unger are on the pup, which is a big problem. You know, you look at running back, they picked up Adrian Peterson, who is a massive luxury. They picked up Alvin Kamara, who is a nice replacement for losing Hightower. But I really don't understand why Adrian Peterson's on this roster. It, it The move doesn't make sense. You know, the, uh, uh, Stephon Anthony showed out as a, as a solid linebacker. Uh, Sheldon Rankins is a good interior pass rusher on the defensive line, but they don't really have an outside pass rusher. I mean, Aloe Kakaha 
was the closest they had, but he's not a guy who's shown that he can get healthy all the time, and his skill set isn't the kind that's going to get you a ton of sacks. And, and here's the thing, from a linebacker you say spot. like Sheldon Rankins is a really good interior pass rusher. Let's explain that a little bit, because that means that he's going to get like five sacks. This isn't Yeah, it's Warren. four or five sacks. This isn't, it yeah. doesn't mean he's, he's not Warren Sapp. Like, this guy is good, but he's not that good. Yeah. Like, he's not all... The, like, the guys who can get pass rush from the interior, like, at a J.J. Watt, Warren Sapp level, those guys barely exist. Like, a good interior pass rusher gets you just like named them. four or five sacks. <laughs> So it's I don't know it's just like he's good but he's not like he's good but he can't carry a pass rush exactly so they lack a pass rush uh, unless you really think Cameron Jordan's finally going to break out um, why they is picked Cal- up Marshawn Lattimore why is Cleef Barnes practicing with the first team offense can you please uh, because Ryan Ramchek had a shoulder injury in okay. the offseason thank you I the like only thing I can think I of. did research on this like on their offensive line and I'm like they're not even starting Ramchek with the first team offense and this then so Kenny Vaccaro and Von Bell at safety are good. Like, those are talented players that pick up Marshawn Lattimore. So their secondary is getting better, but they're young, and they're going to get picked apart because there's not a pass rush to support them. So the defense is going to be another Saints defense. Um, So let's just play my favorite game. Uh, Which unknown wide receiver is Drew Brees going to make famous this year? So Willie Steed and Michael Thomas are going to be their top two receivers. I'm going with Jake Lampman because (laughs) that's the funniest name. Kevin, and I think that's how Drew Brees chooses that. Kevin so loves Lampman. I think I think Jake Lampman is going to get fourteen hundred yards and six touchdowns because Drew Brees is just going to do that. He's just going to decide it. Uh, Kevin, the quietest five thousand yards a year that you'll ever see from a quarterback <laughs> is Kevin, Drew Brees every year. Start preparing yourself for the Garrett Griffin era. That's right, Garrett tight end Garrett Griffin from Air Force. That's the guy. Not Traven Durall. Nope, and not nope. Mike. Definitely not Michael Humawanuwe. I I screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> now you went too far. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. how do you, how do, how do you like? Let's go. Let's start with uh, me this time. I'll go ahead and go first. Saints seven and nine. I think they just match what they did last year. I have the Saints going eight and eight. I have the Saints going seven and nine. Yeah, this seems like a team destined to be very average. And have, it's like, almost like they're only half a team. A good offense, and then like. Every once in a while, their defense is going to put it together enough that they win some games. But this team needs to. Cameron Jordan, like, why is he? They why are they? Why is he? I don't know. All right, I'm done. All right, bye Saints. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay went nine and seven last year, closing the season very strong. They're over and under set in eight and a half with over a minus one thirty favorite. They brought in Chris, Chris Baker, J.J. Wilcox, and Deshaun Jackson. They lost Bradley McDougal, Russell Shepard, Alteron Verner's corpse, and Mike Glennon. Kevin. You get to start us off. Oh, I'm happy. I, How do you feel about this team? I think that they made some really big additions in the offseason. I think the Deshaun Jackson pickup, as I said already, is an excellent pickup. It complements Mike Evans really well. And don't overlook Chris Godwin, the wide receiver they picked up in the third round. This guy is like on a Tyler Lockett level of uh, late-round pickup playmaker. He's going to outplay his draft by a ton, I think. He's What's like, his uh, game like? Uh, he's 6'1", 209, but he plays bigger than 6'1". Um, he's a really strong outside receiver. He came on big time for Penn State last year. Yeah, I was going to say... He's Penn, a great player. Penn State really relied on him to like he was to like, make big plays, and he did it a lot. I watch Penn State because my wife is a Penn State grad. Uh, so, And yeah. then they picked up O.J. Howard in the draft, and Cameron Brait played very well. He had eight receiving touchdowns last year. And O.J. Howard is Greg Olson 2.0. So put a great tight end in with a really strong three wide receiver set. And they picked up Jeremy McNichols, whose physical tools are extremely similar to Doug Martin. So if Doug Martin can't go, you have McNichols to pick up that spot. I think what they've done on offense is really, um, really strong. They've become a uh, one of the better offenses in the NFC. And on defense... They're young. They have some players. Their pass rush is a little questionable. Um, Quan Alexander is really good. Levante David is really good. Uh, Vernon Hargraves stepped in and as a rookie played well. If Justin Evans, their second round pick, who's a ball hawk center field safety, can step in and become a starter for them, I think they could have like a middle of the pack defense and a top five offense in the NFC. All right, Kevin. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I think that their offense they put a lot of great weapons together here for Jameis Winston, like Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, Doug Martin, Charles Sims, Jaquiz Rogers. Like these are all really good weapons, but their offensive line is 
questionable at best and terrible. Like they they have terrible downside. Ali Marpet's pretty good, but the rest of the guys on the offensive line are like it's not not great. And when you have a questionable decision maker like Jameis Winston in the in the as your quarterback, you need to protect him and give him time to to figure it out. And yeah, chuck it up to Deshaun Jackson is going to be good to make enough to make this offense slightly better. But I'm not sure what the the there's a ceiling on this offense with this bad of an offensive line for me. This offensive line may be worse than the Seahawks offensive line. That's how strongly I feel about. You're that down on Donovan Smith at left tackle. Donovan Smith is that bad. Donovan Smith last year in Pro Football Focus rating finished 66th out of 78 qualifying fine tackles, and that was an improvement over his rookie season. That's brutal. Yeah. So I mean, that's I had that stat ready. I was ready. (laughs) So Smith is below average. Sweezy's below average. Holly's below average. Holly's below average. Marpet's well above average. Marpet is Marpet is good, and if. But he's not, like, the best. He's, like, the 12th best guard in the league. So, like, yeah, it's great. He's not good enough to qualify for the one true offensive He's not Alex theory. Matt good, yes. <laughs> Maybe what I'm saying. Yeah, they need, like, they need, like, a center or a guard that could pull everything together for them. I agree. Uh, their defense is incredible. Like, I love this defense. Gerald McCoy, Robert Ayers, William Goldston, uh, Alexander Quan, Vernon Hargreaves. Like, they got... I like Brent Grimes. I know people like to bag on Brent Grimes because his wife is I crazy. I love Brent Grimes. But, like, I think Brent Grimes is pretty decent. He's... <laughs> He's not going to be a lockdown corner, but he will grab you seven picks and a year. Gerald McCoy is like sneakily one of the best de- players in football. And Gerald McCoy is excellent. No one talks period. about him enough because he gets hurt, and he's also on. He's kind of toiling in obscurity with this terrible Tampa Bay team for a long time. And the skill set he has is one that's underappreciated. He's yeah. just humongous. Uh, his highlight of his football career, if you talk to him, um, he played against. Uh, uh, Oh, I can't think of his name. The scat back that played for uh, Divine, I think it was his name. Mm-hmm. A scat back out of Western. Uh, we played for West Virginia in college, but they played against each other at community college level. And in a game, he once tackled the guy so hard that he threw up the guy that he tackled. <laughs> and Ouch. he, in an interview, said that it was his proudest football moment. Gerald McCoy, Oklahoma's finest. Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma's finest. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> National uh, treasure. The another thing about that though, that makes me mad is that they spent a second round draft pick last year on a kicker, and now they're bringing in <laughs> Nick freaking Folk because that kicker is so bad that they did can't. They, did they cut Aguayo, the, no, the kicker? No. Okay, Nick they're going to compete. Nick Folk is legitimately in there to give him competition because Nick Folk's an above average kicker. And Aguayo was not. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I'll say this: when you guys go deep on the offensive line of another team. It's a simple pleasure for me because you guys watch so much college and you do so much scouting, and I don't. So I get to be like that person. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like I don't. I get to be that person listening to the podcast, but I get to see you doing it, and I'm like, yeah, I get to. I get to learn these guys. So when I'm watching Thursday Night Football, I can be like, hey, Jarris Weezy's on that line, and I know that. Uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, my opinion on this team, Jameis Winston. I don't know how good he is. I don't know how yeah. bad he is. There's, it's a real question mark. I yeah, it's, agree. It's it's a consistency a issue. Yards. Yeah, he does. He really does. But I, I love his attitude too. The story, the Jameis Winston stories are really good. Love, so are tell good. the story because you love this. This is my favorite Jameis Winston story. Is the one where he just comes into the huddle and he says, "Who wants to catch a game winning touchdown?" Mike Evans like I do, and he's like, "All right then." And you just threw him the ball and they scored a touchdown. <laughs> and that's uh, honestly, I feel like Mike Evans is the best player on the offense. He's so good. That's he's a fact. So, he's so he's, good. He made wait. He is so good. He made Johnny Manziel. A Heisman oh, winner. This is not. That is how good Mike. That is Mike Evans. We are Heisman. laughing. That's it's a not fact. a joke. Sometimes we laugh because it's funny and because it's true. That's uh, Johnny Manziel didn't lose his Heisman because he pawned it. He just gave it to the rightful owner, That's, Mike Evans. You get, it's yours, bro. You can have it. You know, he's like Mike Evans. How much do you give me for this? He's like, well, I'm like a multimillionaire now because I don't suck. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the defense of the Buccaneers, they will ride this defense uh, as far as they can. I feel like I feel like it's a really scroungy defense they're not going to lock you down they're going to make you turn the ball over though i don't think it's going to help them very much who they have at running back by the way uh they have martin sims and rogers there you go like those guys are all decent none of them are bad don't don't overlook mcnichols i think this guy's going to be a serious player okay okay but as you say running back you know they already have one do you think there's room for two boise state running backs on one nfl football team (laughs) well if you look at their measurables they're the same running back really so i think that they could just try and put them on the roster and have them change jerseys and no one would notice they really are five like 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 they're both five foot nine like what it's like the olsen twins they're the same player they're gonna (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, I really like Adam Humphreys too. I like want to want to get this out. Like this guy, Adam Humphreys from Clemson, this white guy that they use to return punts and kicks. I think he's pretty decent. He's a really good third receiver, and he's their fourth receiver, yeah. so that's good. Yeah, just don't look at his player picture. <laughs> it's not cool that they brought that nine-year-old kid onto the roster. <laughs> he looks like the thirteenth uh, player on an NBA team. They do. All right, let's uh, let's give our records for the Buccaneers, starting with Kevin. I have them going. Uh, I think they've gotten better than they were last year. But their schedule is tougher. I have them with the same 9-7 and seven record. And on tiebreakers, they beat out the Carolina Panthers for the number 5 spot in the playoffs. Ooh. All right, Eric. Feisty. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, they lost Vincent Jackson. Uh, they got to Sean Jackson. Swiping Jacksons isn't always easy. They got it's, the better one, though. I I don't know, man. Right to now, Sean Jackson. In 2017, they got the better yes, one. Yes, yes. Uh, I'll say this. I don't like this team as much as the pundits do. I have them going 7-9. and nine. And I'm with Eric. When the hype train gets behind a team like this, it works one of two ways. It either they, they rise up above even the, the loftiest expectations, like Oakland did last year, or they crash and burn miserably and like, like the Jaguars disappointed. Do every year. And so I, I really think no hype train. I think this Buccaneers team is, is good. But they have to go to they have to go to Green Bay. They have to go to the Vikings. Like these are tough road games that they're gonna have to deal with, and I have them finishing this season eight and set, eight and eight, sorry. So, I think we definitely hit their range. They'll be around 500. I they was can say, in. We yeah. all we all they, have. They have enough talent to make it if this offensive line can really come together. Or if Watson takes a step. But for me, there's or Winston. There's a there's like a ceiling for me on how much faith I can put in an offensive line this bad with Jameis Winston. And that's the difference between like the let me get into this. This is the difference between this, the way I feel about the Seahawks and the way I feel about the Buccaneers is that Russell Wilson is a premier arm talent and decision maker in the NFL, and Jameis Winston is just not. Can I lay you a line from Dirk Cutter? Yeah. Uh, Dirk Cutter had this line. I thought it summed things up really well. Uh, Jameis Winston doesn't know how to lose a down. He can't give a down up. Yeah. And so... Uh, he, he was perfect. He won at every level he played at. He was awesome. And uh, a good player, like, you'll see sometimes Russell Wilson throws the ball away. Or he'll just tuck it and take oh, one yard. Okay, I get that. I get that rationale. Whereas uh, Jameis Winston... Kevin Puzzling. Like. Winston's going to... Winston's going to huck it up. And try and make the big play every time. And, you know, uh, sometimes you will, and sometimes it'll burn you. So he's losing the war because he refuses to lose a battle. Yeah, gotcha. I think I think that's kind of the next evolution is that, that efficiency step. Knowing when it's time to give up on a down. All right. So... Uh take us let's take us to the money zone let's get in let's get in the zone the money zone uh kevin how can people support the seahawks nest podcast i'm gonna this one to eric eric make the big announcement all right fine uh you can find us on patreon we really love we our got a pa- new patreon oh, wait what what yeah i didn't know this won't you patreon yeah. us, we have our te- we have our 10th <laughs> you guys love that i said this and you steal it every week we have our 10th if you like it don't steal it patron uh so big ups to oh man I, this website is always like so obtuse to me uh why view all current patrons there we go thank you to uh tom tom thanks man you tom, tom you're you're a cool guy seriously tom is Love our you, newest tom. tom is our newest patron he signed up on july in july and uh, to thanks, join man. patreon we're not asking that you pledge it like the hey pay 30 dollars a month we're talking what is it a dollar 88 in honor of marsh the marshawn lynch who you can draft in your fantasy football leagues this year he's Sad. back folks uh, it's one dollar and twenty four cents instead of just most people make the lowest level a dollar. But I thought it'd be fun if I could honor my favorite honor Seahawk. Sean, yeah. um, the uh, here's the thing about uh, Patreon is that you, Eric says you see these high rewards in there thirty one dollars. All you got to do is pledge at that level once, and you get everything, and then you can go back to the one twenty four level. I'm a okay with that. Yeah. So uh, you do the one time uh, quote unquote big money pledge, and then drop it down to the dollar that you won't miss. Uh, this really helps us get better equipment. None of us are getting paid for this. We have two teachers, which means you have two broke people, um, but they don't want money. We just all want to make the podcast better. Yeah. We want to destroy our enemies. At field goals. At yeah. field goals. and <laughs> Bring uh, field goals. And honestly, no, at NBC honestly, Sports, not even, I'll go there. They're not even really our enemies. I just don't understand why they blocked us on Twitter. Field yeah, goals. We're just, we're That's so why they're hurt. our enemies. Hey, field uh, goals. By the way, Seahawkers, you're cool. Seahawkers are UK awesome. Okay, Seahawkers, you're actually even cooler. Yeah, I like the Seahawkers podcast. They uh, they talk to me on Reddit and private messages. I quite enjoy them. But yeah. but the uh, the old 
the old field goals. Why'd you block us on Twitter, dude? At least tell me, Kenneth Arthur, what the deal is. Yeah, at us, bros. <laughs> All of your reporters follow us. Yeah, it's, that's just weird. Kenneth, Kenneth Arthur follows me, and like I'd have it I've tweeted with him. Decision. Did we make fun of somebody with two first names once, and he was like, nope. Uh-uh. Okay, I'll say this. Uh, He's like, I hate that movie thing you guys do at the end of every podcast. And I, He's that guy? Well, the thing is, people are, when people are like, I hate that movie thing you guys do at the end, and I'm like, dude, I put it at the end so you can just turn it off if you and don't like it. Here's the thing. We want you to enjoy it, but we really do it for ourselves because if you listen to old podcasts, we just went off the rails in the first five minutes. So yeah. by putting it at the end... We're, we're golden now. We're, we're saving the, ins- yeah. we're giving you the insanity at the end as opposed to at the beginning. Oh, we're driving off the cliff that at the end. Me. This should have been before that because Nate didn't ask the question to trigger it. Do we have any revisions of our predictions? And the answer is we don't, but a friend of the podcast, big time producer Brett Hancock does. He would like to revise his prediction. Oh, sh- for the Miami Dolphins uh, to 16-0, and Jay Cutler, MVP, Super Bowl champions. Yeah, and if no you don't kidding. know the meme, uh, ex-podcast member and executive producer Brett Hancock, uh, who uh, pays for our hosting, uh, <laughs> he 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 says that every year he loves Jay Cutler. It's, Jay Cutler is like his Loved favorite person. No, he much. loves Jay Cutler. They found, they found there was a fork in the road recently. Yeah, they definitely have two, two, two paths diverge on a one. <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, I, yeah. Support us on Patreon. You also can just follow us on Facebook. We've gained, uh, you know, 10% more followers over the last couple of weeks. I say it that way so that it sounds more impressive than we gained 10 followers. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> oh, also, there are three spots left. Ah. If you want to for sure have a spot in the Seahawks Nest Fantasy Football League, we'll be running signups for another week. I thought we had, we have two spots left. Uh, we have three because we're at nine if we go to 12. Oh, we're going to 12 teams. I was so, like, I thought we had eight. So. I'll take it up Ooh. to 12 and then nine. once I... Uh, once we get to 12, if we get enough people on the overflow, then we'll split into two leagues of 10. By the way, if you lose to Augustine, who says he's never played fantasy football like next like ever, you have to fly to Argentina and apologize to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, no, I'm glad that people, some people are going to give their first shot at fantasy football in this league, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's going to be great. fun. And uh, again, back to the Patreon thing, we, we have some cool things coming for Patreon exclusive content. We've got. Uh, extra podcast, extra recordings. We've got uh, extra articles. We have Kevin breakdown videos, Nathan breakdown videos. I might do a break the, dance video, no promises. So, and if you guys are our longtime listeners, all ten of you who listened last year, you'll know that we do two podcasts a week. We used to. We used to do a quick shot podcast where we would just pick all the games and like kind of give like you know a riffy version of like us reviewing the NFL schedule. Well, that that podcast is no longer going to be on our SoundCloud feed. We found that people. People would listen to the Seahawks one and not the other one, and so we want to leave that for our most hardcore fans. So we're going to move that over to the Patreon and try to give you know something exclusive to our Patreon members. Also, I'm going to try to add more film studies because those are really fun to do. They're just time consuming for me to find all the plays that I want to show. And I would have done another one, but I am worried about jinxing another. Yeah, Seahawks I was going to say. I'll be honest. The first one you did, you <laughs> killed the player. So good job. I'm uh, going to wait until someone gets some game action so that I can uh, I can at least say, see, they made the field this year. It wasn't me. All right, so today for the Seahawks Nest Movie Club, we're going to talk about a movie that we ju- we just watched. There's like a a secret 80 minutes between <laughs> between <laughs> between the last 1 second of this podcast. So, uh Radio we your magic. We uh we went on HBO and we streamed a uh, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping uh starring Adam San or not Adam Andy Samberg. I almost said Adam Samberg. That Sandler. almost got way worse. <laughs> yeah. So. Suddenly I would have really understood why people didn't like the movie. So Andy Samberg stars in this movie uh that it came out last year. It got pretty good reviews and then just like bombed in the box office. It made I think somewhere around like 4 million dollars opening weekend, something yeah. like that. Uh it made 9 and a half million dollars in its entire run. Um, but I think that was pretty unjustified. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I agree. This uh, here's the thing. Let's 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 go back to before we watched the movie. Kevin was like, "All right, let's watch this movie. I like Spinal Tap. I like like uh, I like Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story." And Nathan was really pushing. We got to watch this movie, and I did not want to watch it. This is like, the second we... time I'd watched it. I watched it last week, and I was like, "These guys will love this movie. Like, like are I'm... we really gonna watch this?" Dude, uh, here's the thing. I love mockumentary so much. I like CB4. Yeah, that's right. CB4 is a good one. one. Um, I love this movie. That was that was really enjoyable. It was really funny. It's on the surface. It's a Lonely Island movie. Yes, like the skits that you'd see on SNL with Andy Samberg and his friends doing funny songs. That's what this movie is on the surface. 
Beyond that, it's a deep dig at a lot of celebrities. Uh, take that, Macklemore. Um, they roast TMZ very well. Yes. Very accurately. They roast a lot of people, and including like uh, Mariah Carey, and she's right there. And just like also like the uh, just like the culture around like pop music and how like ridiculous it is. Like there's yeah. even some pretty obscure roasting. Like they roast concepts that you don't think of. Like in the final scene, like what uh, Nathan was saying just a minute ago. Like uh, should we give that up? I know you should leave it. Just okay. like know that like they're they're like parodying like this just the pop music as a whole like the whole the whole thing. One thing I think that's really weird is that the, like the villain of the movie is a uh, Chris Red playing Hunter the Hungry, which is just like straight up a Tyler the Creator parody, which cracks me <laughs> up because people a lot of people don't even know who Tyler the Creator is, and it's like he's just exactly Tyler the Creator, like really over the top hip hop artist who loves pranks and like just just like Tyler, like it's like exact. It's just a Tyler the. Tyler the Creator parody, and it's just really funny. Also, you're not going to see it coming. Snoop's guest spot, his cameo is great. Yeah, yes. there's so many cameos in this movie. <laughs> and it's filmed, so like the commercials didn't really give you a good idea what this movie was going to be like. They uh, just showed like Prince or Seal getting attacked by a wolf, and it was like, you like didn't really know what's movie about. It's a fake documentary, so they have like cuts to backstage with like Aesop Rocky, Questlove, the RZA, uh, Ringo Starr, uh, 50 Cent, uh, Simon Cowell, like all these people they're cutting to backstage talking about this fictitious group, the Style Boys, or Connor For Real, which is the solo act that Andy Samberg has that came after the Style Boys. The Style Boys are all three of them together. Uh, I will go one step further. Not only did it not really tell... like If if I would have known it was a mockumentary, I would have been more interested. I think we can all say that in this room. But it also looked like you know all the funny scenes were in the trailer... And as Nathan so succinctly put it, none of the funny scenes were in the trailer. Like the parts that are in the trailer are like, they're funny, but they're not funny. Like the the rest of the movie is funnier. Like it's more funny than this. Like just like all of a sudden it's like Joan Cusack's there in here playing his mom. Like, and it's just just like Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows has over his career proven that he just makes every movie a little better. You put Tim Meadows in, it's good. He's a steady hand. Like he just knows what he's doing. He's like, he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. And it's got that, uh, that walk hard connection in which Tim Meadows was absolutely amazing in walk hard. I did not like walk hard. I love Tim Meadows in walk hard. (laughs) Yeah. This movie deserved a much better person to cut the trailer because this movie deserves better than 14 million. Yeah. I think the, the trailer just got studioed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, the studio just kind of, like, uh, ripped it up or whatever. Well, it's a concept movie, and I just think the people who marketed it didn't get the concept. Yeah, they didn't understand what they were trying to do, for yeah, sure. I think uh, there's probably some inside jokes we missed. I would be open to watching that again. That was really great, Nathan. The the, the music is really good. Uh, like, the it just leads off with this song. It's like... The song is like I'm so humble. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny because he's just <laughs> it's just Andy Samberg just singing a song about how how great how great he is because he's so humble. It's like so funny. Oh man, it just cracks me it cracks just, me up the whole time. The whole thing's inside baseball and it's perfect. Yeah, so uh, I highly recommend Pop Star. Never stop, never stop. I don't want to spoil it too much because it's not really that old of a movie. And just understand that it's just like kind of an underrated. Uh, it's like a it's as close to a 2017 pop version of of. Uh, Final tap. Final tap that we're gonna get. Like if this is- Comedy Central picks this up or somebody like that, this could do very well on TV spots, FX or something, because it's a movie you can jump in and enjoy. And just how, how, how every time they cut to someone and they're talking about the Style Boys hit Donkey Roll, and they they just how <laughs> they sound like they're so excited. They're like, "I love Donkey Roll. I I, I did the Donkey Roll. We had to do the Donkey Roll at every uh, senior tr- dance. We love the Donkey Roll." And it's just so funny how into the Donkey Roll and they show it finally. And it's a great moment in the movie when they finally show you what the Donkey Roll really the is. The big reveal. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. So yeah, uh, I I really quite enjoy uh, this movie. So, it also, it's just got a really stupid... I think another thing that held it back is this is a really dumb name for a movie. Pop star, never stop, never stopping. Like, yeah, it's, they, it's funny, and it makes sense when you watch the movie. You're like, okay, I get what they're trying to do here, but... But the title also didn't lean into the mockumentary part. Like... No. It... Yeah, everything about the setup of the movie really cloaked the concept of the movie, and the concept was excellent. And Sarah Silverman did a really good job in this movie, too. She, like, played kind of a straight role, like, where she was, like, not as jokey as the rest of the movie... But, like, still, she was, like, did a really good job with it. Maya like, Rudolph had a hilarious, like, cameo, part. Extended cameo, yeah. yeah. Oh, As man. Deborah. Debo- <laughs> From Deborah. <laughs> so, it's it's good. I, I'm, I don't want to say any more than that, and we're at an hour anyway. So, uh, 
we're going to sign off with that. For Kevin Garber and Eric Ronnebeck, I'm uh, Nathan Santo, and we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Our brains are geniuses. <laughs> Good times, bro. No, I ain't got nothing but a bag of green, two dancing shoes. And-